Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and guess what? It's the 16th day of August, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Well, folks, um... I've got to bring a couple of things up here. It's Tuesday, so I'm going to answer something from our super fan, Cubs fan with an eight. But I want to just bring up a couple of things. First of all, you know, I know some people don't like it when I talk about the domestic violence and, and I talk about some of the more serious parts of it. And for that, I say tough because sometimes we have to actually address real things. We have to look up and say, okay, there's real consequences to pretending that domestic violence is not a problem. And there's consequences to environments where it's normalized. And we've already seen, you know, from at least most of the fans, most people don't give a crap about domestic violence. They care about whether or not a player can help their team. When I pointed out, hey, maybe like the Cubs and the Mets shouldn't be going out of their way to bring in domestic abusers to their teams. Maybe they shouldn't say, hey, hey, all is well. As Joe Madden, who I lost a hell of a lot of respect for, was talking about how he'll be embraced by Chicago if he wins. In other words, hey, threaten with a gun all you want. Doesn't matter. All that matters is that we win, and which is why I am rooting big, big, big time for the Cubs to not win. Not that I think that Aroldis Chapman getting his ass kicked in the playoffs would suddenly make up for his, you know, as like a revenge thing. I just don't want to see him celebrate it. I don't want the great moment that Cubs fans have been waiting their whole lives for to be from a known domestic abuser. Because that will once again belittle the situation. And there's a certain tone deafness. I talked about this well, about a year ago. I said, you know, maybe there's a tone deafness to how we speak and some of the words that we say. Maybe some of the misogyny that we have that we don't even realize is part of the language, like, you know, using feminine language as an insult because there's something inherently inferior about being a woman or anything resembling femininity is something to be mocked, which it is. It's so part of the language you don't even realize it. Calling someone a bitch, calling someone all a little girl, throws like a girl. Come on, ladies, when you see a bunch of guys who aren't giving a big effort. Come on, ladies. I've heard kids my age say that. As an insult, ladies first. Like, oh, no, no, I'm not female, ergo inferior. You know, some people who say things like, well, it's just an expression, are never the people who it's being aimed at. And there's things that we 
there are things that we may not even be, and I've been guilty of stuff like this too. I'm really trying to improve myself to say, wait a minute, what, what does this language have to do? How does our language and behavior basically excuse it, excuse this, this culture where if you are feminine, whether you're a woman or homosexual, that you are inferior and don't, if you say that's not the case, you're wrong. This is not an opinion. We've moved beyond opinions. These are facts. If you can't deal with that fact, then look in the mirror and ask yourself why you can't. But the idea that we're allowing it to happen in even subtle ways or not so subtle ways, you know, Reyes and Chapman being there is like, well, you know, as long as they help us win, doesn't matter, move on. But in the U.S., I wonder why these, these women don't come right away to the authorities, why they don't press charges. Oh, I don't know. A, fear, and B, they realize that whatever they say, they'll be put on trial. Stop and think two nanoseconds before you say stupid stuff. And then we see that maybe there's stuff that happens that's like, well, it was that were, may not have been sort of uh, intentionally mean-spirited or intentionally awful, but you realize, how does something like this even get to this point? Rollis Chapman was brought out in the Cubs game, and the PA announcer plays music when they come out, hell's bells and this, all this other crap, final countdown, I don't really care. Rollis Chapman, who the only reason he's on the Cubs and not a member of the Reds is because of the Reds dumping him off their team after domestic violence was brought upon him, was brought into the game to a song that I am not familiar with because it came out after 1985, which is pretty much when my music knowledge ended. Uh, the name of the song is called Smack My Bitch Up. There you go. Catchy tune. Now, I don't care if it was just playing the beat, the bridge, a instrumental part of it. You brought a domestic abuser into the game to the tune, Smack My Bitch Up. Does anyone see a problem with that? Obviously, someone got fired for doing that, and the Cubs apologized, saying it was a coincidence. It was not meant to reflect anything on a role as Chapman. To that, I say, bullshit. That is an untrue statement. Whoever said that was saying something false. Of course, you don't pick songs without saying, it's not done at random. He doesn't pick it, reach into a, a basket, pull out a CD and said, oh, we're going to play yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy. No, you line the song up with the player. And someone thought it would be dark and edgy to bring a Roldis Chapman out to smack my bitch up. And they were caught. And you know what? Even if the one out of one quadrillionth chance that it was a coincidence, here's my question. Why is Smack My Bitch Up on your Spotify playlist? Why is that on the roster of songs to put up there? Seriously. If you're trying to do something to maybe improve the image that baseball has. 
and you're trying desperately not to be the intensely misogynistic NFL, where the commissioner of the NFL has demonstrated that he couldn't possibly care less about the abuse of women, then maybe, I don't know, the big things you have to do, of course, discipline people for domestic violence, create education, reach out to try to change the culture. But do you know what? Tiny things work as well. Things we do in our language, things we do in our behavior, things we do in our expressions. And I don't know, when you're writing a list of songs out, maybe say, hey, do we, do we need Smack My Bitch Up uh, on Shuffle? Is that, is, that, is that one we really need? Is that really how we, the Cubs, want to portray ourselves? I'm not saying everything has to be the, the you know, playing Zorba the Greek on the, the Hammond organ there. But, you know, I don't know. And I'm, maybe find another beat. Maybe find another song. I don't say you have to play Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. I understand playing Tracy Chapman's Fast Car may not be the best music to bring Aroldis Chapman out. But maybe avoid songs about beating women. Okay? I don't know. Just a thought. I can't, you know, this is the sort of thing that when we watch a documentary about domestic abuse in sports 10, 15 years from now. We're going to be shaking our heads going, I, I can't believe that used to happen. You don't believe me? Watch movies from the 80s. Hell, watch movies from the early 90s. Watch TV shows from the 80s and the 90s. Look at how women are portrayed. Look at how minorities are portrayed. Look at how gays are portrayed. Look at how Asians are portrayed. Now, I'm not saying they're portrayed wonderfully now. Hell, Asians aren't even portrayed anymore. But just watch how just casually, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do another rape joke. We'll do another ethnic joke. We'll do another, you know, Purple Rain had a scene where they threw a woman into a dumpster for laughs. I don't think you can do that anymore. We do things get a little bit better, but they get a little bit better when you put yourself in the position of someone else. You're a young girl at a Cubs game. You're a young girl with your Cubs hat and your Cubs uniform on, and you learn about what Aroldis Chapman was you know, caught doing. And then, what's this song they're playing? Oh, Smack My Bitch Up. Interesting. Put yourself in someone else's shoes from time to time if you claim that this is overreacting. And by the way, I'm not overreacting. I'm just stating facts. All right, let's do something more fun, shall we? I couldn't let that go, just go by without being mentioned. Let's do something a smidge more fun. This comes from Cubs fan with an eight, who, you know, offers up questions, offers up thoughts. And what he said today was, who would be better to fill in for Giancarlo Stanton with the Marlins, Barry Bonds or A-Rod? Phenomenal question. And also, let's go in Alex Gibson, who's been a fan of mine for a while. Uh, he wrote, what if Miami started Tebow, A-Rod, and Bonds? Would ESPN implode? I love these two posts. I want to talk about them both today. Now, according to A-Rod's publicist, 
Rodriguez is not going to sign with the Marlins, as I predicted, as Lisa Swan and I predicted a few when uh, last week, or was it the week before, when A-Rod finally hung up, was forced to hang up his cleats. I do not believe for a second that A-Rod has played his final game in the major leagues. None. Zero. No part of me believes it. It doesn't make sense. He's so close to 700 home runs. I don't believe this was something that was done on his terms. Uh, Not buying it. Not buying it. But he clearly has nothing in the tank, at least for this year. And perhaps he is going to walk away this year and try to get himself back into shape for spring training of next year. He's coming back to spring training next year. He just is. He's, what, four home runs shy of 700? Whether or not you want to you know, throw out you know, performance-enhancing drugs or whatever you want, he's four home runs shy of 700. Someone will take a shot on him. Besides someone, I don't know, Miami. But the thing that makes Miami so interesting right now is they are in contention. They are legitimately in it. And when you take a look at what that means to have a team like Miami in it, and who are they chasing? They're chasing Los Angeles. Los Angeles playing way over their head. They're, they're in, the, in the scrum along with the Pirates, who, you know, who are, I think are going to be one of the wild card teams, and the Cardinals. I, I actually put a gun to my head, say, pick the two wild card teams, and say, put the gun away from my head. You don't need to do that. I'm willing to talk baseball anyway. I think the two wild card teams, when the, all the smoke settles and all the dust settles, I think it's going to be St. Louis and Pittsburgh because I think they're better than the Dodgers, and I think they're better than the Mets, and I think they're better than the Marlins. And with about a month and a half to go, I think the Dodgers have been doing with smoke, mirrors, and lots of injured pitchers, and they've been that sort of thing will eventually come back to catch them. And the Marlins are kind of the same way. They just lost um, Giancarlo Stanton for the rest of the year. But the Marlins can still make the postseason. Remember, they are the only franchise in the history of baseball to never lose a postseason series. Not that that really matters, but that's just kind of a fun thing. And it would be a, to see the Marlins make the postseason would be quite an accomplishment for this team. And it would be a wonderful way for Loria to crow at everyone else and say, hey, see, I put a playoff team together. And who knows, if they start Jose Fernandez in the wild card game, they could find themselves playing the Cubs in the division series. And wouldn't you love to see that? A Cubs-Marlins rematch with all the ghosts on the line. And once again, the Marlins sitting back saying, we've got nothing to lose. And the Cubs having everything to lose. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You remove Stanton from this lineup, that gets exponentially harder for the Marlins to leapfrog St. Louis and possibly Los Angeles and get and see ourselves playing a postseason in Miami. Now, I don't think A-Rod, other than being giving them a momentary boost of you know, publicity and maybe a little bit of energy, I, I, if I were the Marlins, I would throw offers out to them. I mean, what exactly is there to lose? What exactly is there to lose by offering them a spot in the, in the lineup? Now, he can't really play the field, <laughs> so you know, he would probably be a bench player. 
but what do you, what do you lose? I mean, you maybe you get two good weeks out of them. And with this, with with the fact that we're in mid-August, we're right now smack dab in the middle of August. I mean, if you get two weeks out of them, great. If you don't, so what? You, you don't. It's not costing you anything. Yeah, he'll, he's released. The Yankees are on the hook for the fifty million tomatoes, and the 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 Rangers are paying them another forty million dollars in defer payments. So all the other teams are picking up, and you could just get free swings. Absolutely. Now, as uh, Alex Gibson pointed out, Tim Tebow wanting to get into the act. I love that. I just think that would be fabulous to get. Fine, why not have Tebow? And he played in Florida too, so you get that Florida connection with him. The real question comes with bonds. Bonds. Bonds is there. Bonds is in uniform. Barry, you're trying to tell me that the Marlins have a player better than Barry Lamar Bonds on their team. You're not asking Barry Bonds to give you 162 games. You're not asking Barry Bonds to do anything except come out and hit. Maybe, well, maybe start him two or three days a week. Now, is Bonds the guy who hit 73 home runs in 2001? No, he's not. He is still a hitter whose baseball intellect is off the charts. He still is someone who can get out there and get a big hit, or at least walk. If you have him up there and you say, Bonds, stand out in left field, play left field, and you come up with some combination of the other outfielders, Yelich, Ichiro, everyone else, and you say, we have someone who we know is not going to make outs. I'm sure he can still scream a double into the gap, but if he doesn't, he'll get on base. Base runners on base is the great solution of how to win ball games. He's there. He's already in uniform. Activate him. Put him in. You know, I had said that, not jokingly at all, but 100% seriously, that manager Don Mattingly should put in Bonds if for no other reason than it just starts his Hall of Fame clock. We don't have to worry about Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame for another five years. And by then... I believe the door would be open, people's mindsets would be open, and Bonds would get in the Hall of Fame in, what, five, six years from now, instead of going through this charade every year. Also remember, he's at 2,935 hits. He needs 65 hits for 3,000. I don't think he's going to get 65 hits in, what, um, in a month and a half. But he could with a month and a half this year and being a part-time player next year. And then you don't start his Hall of Fame clock for another year after that. There's no downside to this. You have, look at, if you want to discount Bonds' career as one of the great players of all time because of the performance-enhancing drugs and all this stuff like that, that's your prerogative. Okay, I think he's one of the, the greatest offensive players in history. But even if you don't want to mention his name in the same breath as uh, Mays or Aaron 
or Cobb or Ted Williams or Ruth. Fine, fine. If you don't want to do that, again, that's your prerogative, but he's at least a Hall of Famer. At the very, at the, you know, no matter the biggest, the, the, the biggest anti-Bonds person you are, okay, are you, can you at least put him alongside Eddie Murray? Can you at least put him alongside Dave Winfield? Can you at least put him alongside Andre Dawson? Even if you don't want to put him in the biggest, in the elites, if you don't want to put him next to Mays, Aaron Griffey, uh, 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 Ken Griffey Jr., Ted Williams, can you at least put him next to Mel Ott? If you want to not put him in the upper echelon, he's at the very least at the next echelon. At the very least. And his skills can't be reduced by that much. The Marlins, every once in a while, the planets align and postseason baseball comes to South Florida. We are in one of those aligned moments where that could happen. And in both times that it happened, Barry Bonds and the San Francisco Giants were victimized in the division series by the Florida Marlins. 1997, 2003. Bonds's, two of Bonds' best chances at a ring were those two seasons, 97 and especially 2003, where they had the best record in the National League that year. Well now, yes, Bonds received rings as being a consultant and all the titles he had with the San Francisco Giants. Fine, fine, I got it. To win a ring as a coach, if the Marlins win it all, I'm sure that would be sweet, sweet, sweet. Win it as a player. Be that source, be that person, and imagine we see the division series. Marlins, Cubs, on the mound, Aroldis Chapman stares down Barry Bonds, and Bonds just shrugs and says, bring that cheese. I'd see that. And so would you. Would be the story of the postseason. Remember how I talked about how baseball lost its best villain in A-Rod? Well, guess what? Like a pro wrestling match, in comes Bonds. Saying, yeah, yeah. Put Bonds and A-Rod side by side and just consolidate the villains. But that's neither here nor there. We have a situation where the Marlins could take advantage of someone where all they have to do is say, we're going to activate our coach. And while he's taken a step down in his skills, his step down has been from the top of Mount Everest. Something to think about. And thank you, Cubs fan with the eight. I will continue to answer your wonderful questions. And hey, Alex Gibson, thanks for the post as well. So uh, check out MLBreports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker. And do you want also by Patrick Kaliski. Talking about the fun things and talking about some not-so-fun things. Hey, that's all part of the podcast. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 16th day of August. 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Give it some thought, and you can call me what? Sullivan.